Hey folks, in this episode, it's all about headshot photography and NFTs with a good friend of mine, Mr. Peter Hurley out of New York City. This is Twitter. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week of Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I get to sit down with a longtime friend of mine. I haven't talked to this guy in years and years, but every time... I see him for some reason, he gets better looking. I don't know what he's eating, what he's drinking. <laughs> Peter Hurley, man, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Thanks, Frederick. That's quite an intro. I got to keep it up, man. <laughs> you got to keep, got to keep jogging, got to keep jogging and drinking that green stuff, right? Keep, keep helping. Same shit. Same how, how are you doing? You know, before we dive into the interview, how the heck are you doing? You know, you're out in New York City, you're crushing it, everything good, copacetic, positive. Everything's awesome. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, people always ask because when when this whole thing started, New York was like the epicenter. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. I'm like, I'm good. Like, we're back. You know, it's it, things are happening. Obviously, uh, it, you know, I think the, whatever our new normal is, people are getting used to that. And business is booming. I mean, I have headshot photographers around the country that are that are making more and they made more in 2021 than they ever made any other year so we're flying into 2022 and that to me is super exciting yeah i know i love it and that's that's you know one of the reasons why i'm really excited to talk to you because the headshot photography genre i think in a lot of ways for a lot of photographers it becomes overlooked i mean it, it's like yeah headshot i'm gonna bang one out on the corner real quick with my 85 one two or whatever and be done with it You've elevated the headshot photography to something else. You built a whole business and a movement almost around it with your with the, the headshot crew that you put together. Talk about that a little bit. Let's start before you talk about the headshot crew. Talk a little bit about just the genre of headshot photography and maybe explain that it's a little bit deeper than some people may think. Well, you know, it's amazing to me. I put these, I do these workshops called the Headshot Intensive, and I put these ads out on Facebook so people find out about them. And yeah. somebody said, two days to learn how to take a headshot and in a comment. And I was like, it's taken me 22 years now, and I still haven't mastered headshot photography. So, um, yeah, there is a lot more to it than what people think. I think once you get somebody and you point a camera in their general direction and you're close to them and they got to look down the barrel of the lens, there's a lot that goes on there. And, and especially whenever somebody's in front of, in front of a camera, they change. Yeah. And our job as a photographer is to see that change and change them back to what they may have been as, as, as before the camera, before the camera wasn't there. Yeah. And I call it camera invisibility. I want to capture a human being, being reactive to me and, and creating these subconsciously driven expressions that that would come out of them as if the camera wasn't there. And that's what I'm trying to do. I remember uh, years ago, my first talk ever was the Google Plus Photography Conference. I don't know if you remember that one. I, I think do. it was 2012, right? And, mm -hmm. um, and Scott Kelby invited me to speak. I'd never spoken. I got up on stage. I was nervous as hell. But during that conference, I did this talk, and, and, I, and it's still online. You could see me freaking out uh, for sure. But during that conference, Sergey Brin had his Google glasses on and he came into the speaker lounge and I was sitting there and and I said, well, those glasses are pretty cool. And I was like and it was pretty freaking cool to meet that guy. So he said, here, look, look right here. And I point like this and I, I go there and he goes, yeah. And he said, I just took a picture of you. 
I was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, can I get it? And he said, well, there's only five email addresses in these glasses and yours isn't one of them. <laughs> I was like, all right anyway later he gave me the shot but after that shot i said to him i said is there any way i i believe that people need headshots these days i think profile pictures are obviously very important and if you don't have a good one it's silly because there's specialists out there that could take care of you yep. but i said when people look into a camera they get weird I said, what if I could, if I could get him to look and look me in the eye and I could just take a picture, is there any way to create a contact lens with a camera on it and, and we could take that picture? And he looks at me and he goes, not right now. <laughs> like, Maybe in black mirror. <laughs> yeah, but now it's 2022 and that was 10 years ago. And Google is creating cameras on, on contact lenses from what I'm heard. So I don't oh, know wow. if it was my conversation with him that started that in his brain, but I've heard that that stuff is going to, and imagine that, come on. Of course, there's going to be cameras on contact lenses down the down the road. I would think yeah. something like that. I mean, if they um, figure if they figure out how to replace the eyeball with a camera or something, I'm sure there'll be a certain segment of people that'll be like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all medical reasons notwithstanding, but people are just like, yeah, I want to be able to see better. I want to, you know, be able to not see if I don't want to, and just be able to control everything and spectrums and all that. Yeah, yeah, wow, and and then well, notwithstanding the eye contact thing, right? Being a, imagine being a, you and I being able to do this interview in person and just talk, right? Eye to eye, man to man, just have a conversation, not worry about okay, I gotta keep eye contact with the lens and is the computer recording and all that. Just to talk and then share that conversation. That uh, yeah, yeah, I think that would be amazing. When you when, Peter, when you look at headshot photography, what what percentage would you say technical? versus uh let's call it psychological like you were saying you know people change when they get yeah. in front of the camera is it 90 percent the photographer's ability to elicit the expression put the subject at ease and 10 percent f-stop shutter speeds lighting rembrandt all that stuff or is it more balanced what do you think i th you know what i get this a lot I, I, here's my answer it's easier for me to teach technical than it is to teach people skills yeah so yeah. The, and in my work, I'm going for shots that the another photographer would have a hard time capturing. And that's based on pers drawing personality and expression out of the human. So if somebody's got the people skills, I, can, I have a recipe that works that I could teach them technically and they can be off to the races. Yeah. But if they if they're super technical and have no people skills, they're probably going to be better off with working with people that you know either are models who are used to posing that they don't have to direct i really think direction is the final ingredient in portraiture in general and for headshots it's amplified because you're close to your subject the subject's supposed to make eye contact with the camera there's a lot of variables there the, when people get vacant looking in their expression and they look into a camera they don't look like they they can you know they don't have any thought process in their head and that's what i try to create uh and try to teach so i would say it's for me, it's more important to have the people skills and get the person chill. But if you have shitty lighting, then you're not helping that person anyway. And there's no way the person if you if you actually show the image and you've got it lit poorly and then and then the person you're trying to build confidence in the person that you're photographing. So I use tethering to do that. Humans have the capacity to learn. 
I shoot really good lighting. I know that people haven't been in the light that I that I create um, in the in the course of their lives generally, unless they've shot with somebody that's really fantastic. So the bar to me is low. All I have to do is get them to behave like themselves, and I've captured something. And that's what I coach photographers towards and teach them. And it, it's it's a recipe that works, so it's a recipe I teach. Yeah. Do Do you think the the introverted photographer that wants to build a business around doing, you know, headshots or profile photos for Facebook, you know, other social media, which is a, could be a huge business. If they want to dive into that, that genre, yet they're introverted, are they doomed? Should they pick another thing? Should they, you know, what, what, what do you, how do you advise those people that want to get into it, but can't, you know, keep a conversation or, or have the outgoing personality? The camera gives people a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it happen. You have to rely on your camera to give you that that confidence that you need. You get behind a camera, it's juice. You've got that person. I've never I've shot a uh, you know my goal. I'm trying to I don't know. I got into shooting um, successful entrepreneurs and and billionaires and stuff. And I'm trying to I want to shoot like a hundred billionaires. And I don't know how many I've shot. Maybe fifteen or something. Nice. But every time I shoot these people, they got a lot going on. They got a lot in their brain. They're really smart. You know, they're very high high flying individuals the camera stops them every time like use the camera as your power um it's really a ridiculously powerful thing and you have to understand that if you desire this how much of a fire under your butt do you have to do it like you've got to get that introvert and figure out in your own way how to allow those images to to how you're going to create those images in, in your own way. Like I, I'm obviously not um, introverted at all, but people say that, that they do see me at times where I kind of get, it's, it's, I mean, it's strange for me for people to think that I'm introverted in any way, shape or form. Cause I'm so out there. Yeah. But, uh, but on occasion, I guess, I, I mean, there are certain instances where I might be considered an ambivert where I maybe go, go either way. But um I coach people and I tell them, look, you don't have to be me. I'm going to coach my way because that's the only way I can coach. But you don't have to be me. You have to understand that my level of energy when I get a shot and I yell shebang, if you guys have ever heard me yell shebang, it's because I get a good picture. I get excited and I yell shebang. There, an introvert might just just go from uh, like taking a good picture and instead of yelling at the top of their lungs something like the shebang, they might just go, whoa. You know, yeah. like, wow. get the person yeah. excited. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Gregory, there's a there's a quote out there. Um, I have guests on the Headshot Crew, and uh, we had a we have something called Crash in the Crew. I'd love for you to crash the crew one day. By the way, if you I do mean, that for me, I um, there is a uh, Gregory Heisler crash the crew, and and there's a quote that you may have heard other people say, but he said it, and and I was like so into it. And he said, as photographers, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think introverts kind of go through life like that. Like if you're going to be successful as an introvert and you're going to put yourself out there to shoot and photograph people, then you're going to have to be uncomfortable being have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And you just live with it and figure it out. Because if you love this photography, that's it. It's almost like being on stage, though. Right. Do you see it like that a little bit like a performance art where not, not like you're you're performing to entertain your subject, but when you do, you feel like when you get behind the camera, you slip into a different persona. Like, 
you know, I, I am the cool photographer. I'm, you know, you're trusting me with your image and I have to be a little bit loud and flamboyant and, you know, all that stuff to make the, the subject feel like, OK, this guy is kind of sliding into that stereotypical photographer persona. Therefore, I feel comfortable. Or is it just just be yourself? I, what, what do you think? I think I mean, over the course of my career, it's changed. So I yeah. went to that guy and, and would always I had a, I used to have a routine. And it was soup to nuts. It was start to finish. I did the same thing with everybody. Everybody who came in, I did the same thing. Like I had a whole thing, what I said, what I did, different things I tried, all of that. And, and I and I scripted it and I scripted it out. I had the script. And then and that was for actors because I was shooting actors all the time. Then a CEO walked in and I was like, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, whoa, what do I do now? Yeah. And I had to figure out a whole, I had to reinvent my, my former direction. And then I found this, this thing that I do called misdirection, which was phenomenal. And that changed everything. But now what I found was I, I call it, I, I coined it the chameleon approach. Basically you have to be a chameleon for the individual that comes in. So if I want the best out of my subject, and I want to get something special for them. I, it sounds a little hocus pocusy, but I read energy and kind of, profile them and figure out what they're doing before they get anywhere near my camera. And then my brain kicks in in a way for me to get exactly what I need out of them through the words I use, the mannerisms I use, how I direct them. It's all geared on what they need. So uh, a good example is somebody comes in petrified and they're really freaked out. My whole energy goes down and I just talk slow and I just start going, Hey, we're going to, do great. Hey, come on in, hang up your clothes. Let's get going. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. You know, yeah. because they're not going to be able to handle big Peter. And then, and then if somebody comes in and they're all fired up, Oh, I heard you're the best. We're going to get this. And I'm going to be like, yeah, heck yeah, we're going to get this. Get your ass in front of my camera. Let's go. Nice. You know, and I change and then I, and then I read how the human being see everything. It's almost like everything comes to our face. You see the the concern for their well-being on their face. I say to them, you know, stop looking concerned for your well-being because that's what I'm picking up. The, the, the coolest thing that I've learned since I've been shooting that I tell my clients is the brain will try to tell you what your face looks like, but it doesn't know. Yeah. Our brain tries yeah. to tell our, ourselves what our face. Everybody listen to this right now. If you're looking at anything, I doubt you're looking at yourself. I kind of am because I see myself in front of the camera. But so that's the only time I might know what my face looks like. But you don't I'm looking at my eyes. I see a, like a little outline of my nose and my cheeks. And that's about it. We don't know what our face looks like. So our brain tells us what our face looks like. And it's wrong. It's super wrong. Like because mm -hmm. otherwise nobody would ever look in the camera the way they do. So the photographer has to become the coach. The co the in order and it, and it's all based on levels of persuasion. You're trying to persuade the person to do what you feel is correct for them and their personal brand, while they're fighting against you to to do it because they don't know that you know better than their own brain. So it's a very it's this dichotomy between the two things that's just crazy to think about when I'm just trying to get the best out of them. And if I, if they listen to me, they'll do it like with the squinching and the jawline and all this crazy stuff that they won't do unless I convince them and persuade them to do it. So it's all levels of everything that I coach and that I teach and that I do is levels of persuasion. And then you have to cater it to the personality that's in front of you. And to do that, it, honestly, it takes time.
Yeah. Uh, I think I photographed maybe 40,000 faces in front wow. of me. Um, I'm guessing, but I, I know I'm, I got to be over 30 or four. I don't know where I am. But, but that, um, that persuasion piece of it, would you agree the persuasion is it's one it's I don't I don't use percentages, but that's part of the equation. The other half is that persuasion has to lead to trust from the your subject, because if your subject and you know, arguably if your subject, if you're Peter Hurley, and your subject's coming in and you're like, oh, I'm being shot by Peter Hurley. Of course, I trust him. Forty thousand, thirty thousand shots in. He better know what he's doing. But if it's a regular no name person off the street and maybe they seen your portfolio, maybe they haven't. It's harder for them to elicit that, okay, this guy knows what they're doing. They're not going to make me look like an idiot. You know, they know better than I do about my facial expressions. How does that, that unknown person or lesser known person get to that level of trust quickly, you know, in, in the hour or 30 minutes you have with your subject? You wouldn't believe how many people didn't get the memo when they come in my studio and they didn't hear I was the best at this on the planet. I'm like, what the heck? They're not listening to me. No, I mean, it, it is. It's it's unbelievable. I'm like, do you realize like the amount of what it, there was a there's something about Picasso where Picasso, somebody asked somebody, somebody asked him to do a drawing and he drew it and he handed it to him and he said, that's 30,000 bucks or whatever, whatever, 100, 300,000 bucks or whatever he was. And they go, that took you like three minutes. And he goes, yeah, you know, it took a lifetime to be able to do that in three minutes. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's like, I've been working at this for so long. And when people come in my studio and they don't give me the respect that I, I believe I deserve, it's becomes a whole, um, build of gaining that trust in them through being an expert. So you have to be an expert. I coached photographers on how to be an expert. I tell photographers, look, I'm going to coach all the stuff I know. You claim it as your own. I'm coaching you so that you can use these techniques to gain that trust because the more confident you are behind the camera, the more that trust is going to happen sooner from your subject and you're going to get better pictures. Confidence is contagious. So if a photographer's confidence beyond the lens, if you're, even if you're quiet and reserved and an introvert, but confident, it oozes off on your subject and it's going to get, it's going to get to them and they're going to change and they're, and they're going to be like in the palm of your hands. A lot of things, um, I look over the course of my career and I see how things change now. I can get people a good headshot in, in the first, I, I actually don't shoot the, I don't press the shutter um, anymore until I see something I really love, uh, you know, and, and I wait and, uh, and the first shot I take of people, I would say nine times out of 10 is the best picture they've ever, best headshot they've ever had in their life wow. because I wait until I see what I want. I coach them until I see what I want. And if I don't see what I want, we're going to be there. It's going to be a really long shoot because yeah. I don't press the button. I just don't. So it's not that flow. It's not that flow. Again, back to that stereotypical photographer. You know, it's not that flow of, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Look to the left a little bit. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh yeah. Now purse your lips. Okay. Now squinch. Yeah, click, 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 click hundred frames a second, whatever. You're not doing that. Are you doing more of the medium format, large format kind of flow where it's like, Everything is perfect. Okay, we're ready. Look at the birdie. Click. You know, which, which, where, where do you fall it's in that? A little case? bit of both. It's a hodgepodge of both. It, it really is dependent upon the subject, what they're giving me. Uh, I do shoot fast when the person's hit ratio is high. 
Mm-hmm. So by hit ratio, I mean they've got a good look. The angles of their face are phenomenal. Uh, they already appear confident. I don't have to have them squinching. Any, anything like asking them to squinch or get their jawline out, the things that I do, holding the sub, like the techniques I use are posing. And posing is inauthentic. I hate the word pose. I like to say loose positioning. So I want to get to the point where I don't have to tell them that stuff. And we're flying and stuff's coming at me. So when stuff comes at me naturally from them, I'm shooting faster. If there's nothing there, I'm not shooting at all. Photographers have one are one trick. A lot of photographers are one trick ponies. And they use positive reinforcement as their only means of direction. So it's that turn this way, turn that way, click. Beautiful. Amazing. That was right. perfect. Yes. Now turn, turn that way, click. Yes, that was great. Do that again. It's just positive. They don't really give them any juice or anything to respond to. And if the person is flat and doesn't respond, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be a long shoot. And it's going to be a lot of shots that have that deadpan look that doesn't, doesn't fly when you're trying to pull an illicit expression out of people. Yeah, and this is like the this discussion is is an example of like we talked about at the top. There's there's a lot more to a headshot than put somebody in shade and open up your aperture and start clicking, right? There's a lot more to it. You built a business around this called Peter Hurley's Headshot Crew. Talk about that a little bit. What's that model? How does that operate? So, years ago, I my web designer to design PeterHurley.com. I started shooting. I had blinders on. I never looked at it. I never knew what was going on around me. I just wanted to create. And I was looking at the competition in New York City and I wanted to, I created a really clean, simple recipe for my work. And it worked out really well. And then the F-stoppers reached out to me and um, they said, we want to interview you. They interviewed me. They're like, look, nobody did the nobody's done a tutorial in headshots that has your experience. Let's do it. And I did their first tutorial. And simultaneously with that, I talked to my web de- developer and we, we, he's like, why don't we make a, a website with like a forum where like a community where photographers can talk. And, and, and I was like, that'd be really cool. And I, I said, so I was like, let's do it. So he, he created it. We launched it in, um 2011 so it's it's now 10 years old it was 10 years old in december is when we launched it december 2011 so we're just 10 years old and um it's grown to 20,000 photographers there's about 19,000 i think on the site there's 1500 in my coaching group Uh, i launched it simultaneously as i was launching the headshot intensive which is my signature workshop so people go through the workshop and then they go into the headshot crew and then the headshot crew is a referral engine for photographers to get work so if you see there you can hit find a photographer and it's going to search for photographers in my network and yeah there's 18,975 from 137 countries look at that so type in any city anywhere and then see who comes up and we'll have a group up oh, look at this he's going san francisco here we see and let's see associates will come up first so you got Carminder, dennis and tony and then you've got other photographers that are in my coaching program which would be like ida who i overview to stephanie's taking the headshot intensive ida took the headshot intensive daniel st louis alan ortiz david Sachs, stan wow. stan's been to headshot mania with me um Diane Morton does a lot of my workshops and stuff like that. And Nina's working with me as well. Dean's also working with me. 
So then this becomes a directory then. So once you go through the, the training, you end up in this directory and people, ordinary people can come here and search for you and book you. Is that, is that fair? You, yeah. And if you, there's also a portion of it that of people that don't get trained that mm -hmm. still are in the search that, that, uh, that's a lower level called silver, but gold and up is the training. And they, they, the gold members show up above, uh, the silver members, but yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's, it, it's just awesome. Cause I teach the recipe. We also teach business and how to get the business started and how to make money. And I actually have what I call my hundred K club, which my goal is my goal. When I started headshot photography was to get myself to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, uh, I was really excited about that when I, when I hit that number. Um, and for me to be able to, I started from scratch. I'm self-taught. Uh, I had, you know, the same thing most people have when they want to become an artist from parental, uh, from a parental standpoint, parents saying, no, 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 you got to go get a real job. And uh, so for me to be successful at this, the 100K mark was like something that I really, really valued. So last year in 2021, we had more photographers on the headshot crew uh, jump over the $100,000 mark uh, due to my coaching than ever before, which wow. means the world to me. So, and I'm what trying does that to mean, Peter, what does that mean in terms, what does that mean in terms of, um, the number or the, the number of headshots that a person needs to shoot during a year in order to get to the hundred K mark, obviously it's going to vary by region and all that somewhat, but generally speaking, what, how many, how many people do I have to shoot in order to get to a hundred K? It depends on your on your sales method. So we do a training called the TNT method for sales. Mm -hmm. uh, it was developed by one of my photographers. His name's Tony Tafe, and I started using it. And my my if and my I'm transparent in my in my fees and my structure and my everything. If you go to peterhurley.com forward slash rates, you could see how I do it. But I charge fifteen hundred dollars to step in front of my camera, and you don't get an image. It's three hundred dollars an image as of this recording. Uh, I do tweak my pricing all the time, and uh, who knows where it's going to go. But generally, if somebody's spending fifteen hundred to come in my door, they're going to buy. I'd say I average probably like eight images maybe during a session, five to ten somewhere in there. Sometimes I just sold fourteen the other day. Wow. Um, so let's say that's three. If let's just say for the sake of this they buy five uh that's a three thousand dollar session for me and i only do one a day these days i used to do three a day which was crazy back in the day um now i only do one a day so everybody's different everybody's market's different but to make 100k if i'm doing three you know obviously and I, i'm at the top of the game so most of my photographers charge with we're doing a model where we say create a session fee it's about let's say just say a any market in the U S can pretty much handle this. I think where it's, I mean, you have to be good and you have to have a portfolio, but $200 yeah, yeah. to walk in your door and, mm -hmm. and $200 an image. So for 400 bucks, you walk in the door, you get one headshot. I think that's a decent starting ground. So if they, sh if they sell five images, they, they made $1,200. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of my photographers on the headshot crew are doing that. Some are doing it less. Some are doing a hundred dollars to walk in and a hundred dollars an image, which what I'm trying to do is create a baseline for associates in the crew 
uh, around two hundred dollars. That if they've gone through my training and they've gotten this accolade from me, then they could probably charge more. But even if you do a hundred and a hundred, uh, it's a hundred dollars to walk in. You sell five images. You just made six hundred dollars uh, off of it, and that's pretty damn good. I think that's pretty cool. No, that is. And then, you know, but the other side of that is some people that are listening or watching this are thinking, yeah, that's great. But he's saying I'm going to charge X dollars to walk in the door. What if I don't have a door? You know, what if I'm living in a, you know, a studio apartment in New York City, but I want to be a headshot photographer? Am I doomed? Do I have to rent a studio and have that overhead? Can I just do it outside? I know you start in your living room with window light. You know, how You're did he... speaking my language. <laughs> I started natural light in a studio apartment in New York City. So I have no, uh, you know, I, I anybody who says that, I'm just like, I have no sympathy if you don't think you could do it. Yeah. Plus, Headshot Crew members can rent my studio for, um, it's $100 an hour with a 200 minute. So for 200 bucks, you get my lights, you walk in my studio and you shoot up a storm. Um, you get a, you just book a, a bunch of people in two hours or whatever and you're making a ton of money so and and i do that in my burbank studio as well so it's it's not there it's not really an excuse a lot of people have excused that they're in like a small town and there's not a, i was like there's plenty of people in that town i'm sure that need need headshots and if you're talented how far is the next big town from you like do you have to drive an hour and then maybe you rent a space there like or you know i mean how much would it be to talk to other photographers in that town and say, hey, can I rent your space for a couple hours to do headshots? I mean, I'm sure um, I'm sure that wouldn't be difficult. Or you find a, a right now I'm in a I'm in a kind of work sharing like a space. I was in the conference room. It's like a WeWork, but it's in Tampa, but it's not WeWork. It's another it's it's a totally different thing. But I was in the conference room today and it was perfect. It, it, I'm actually shooting in here on Wednesday and there's a white wall that I'm setting up against and it's perfect. So all of those excuses, um, you know, are to me are excuses. And if you really want this, if you love photography, I, I just think headshots, anybody who photographs people, if you're, a, if you consider yourself a portrait photographer and you don't have a headshot component to your work, it's just silly this yeah. day and age and i can teach you how which is even sillier like like just i'll show you i'll give you an entire recipe plop it in front of you i have a 24 7 zoom room that's running right now that uh runs all the time where the headshot crew there's 1500 members where there's always members in there supporting each other coaching each other answering questions hmm. setting up lighting and shooting while coaching through the the process for the people that need the help to get the recipe that i've created uh done for them and then people say well why do you want to copy peter hurley you want to copy me because well first of all how many photographers out there go around hey i want to be copied like i want to yeah. be copied because yeah. i have a company called headshot booker and we have global companies and we're doing jobs in uh we've we're i need shooters i did a job recently for a company where i needed somebody in moscow i need somebody in london I needed somebody in Chicago. I needed somebody. Where else were we? Um, San Francisco, obviously New York. The companies wherever they're based, and we shot it all headshot crew style, and we matched across the board. So I, I, I think it's a recipe that works. If it could be done better, I'd be doing it. If somebody can show me how to do it better, I will change to that. Right now, this is 
the best. And then if, for people, if they want to go check that out, what they should just, what is it? The head, headshotcrew.com, right? If they want to jump into that yeah. program. Yeah, let me show That's that on it. the screen. That's the site right here. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. All right, I want to switch gears. I know you're working on a bunch of projects. So you mentioned like what? six companies that you're working with right now. You got a lot going on. The one thing that you're that I'm really interested to hear from you about is the NFT project that you're working on. So I want to transition to that in just a second. Before we do that, I know I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, squinching. You talk about shebang, right? And that's kind of the the your your emerald you know, whatever the, the, okay, I got the shot. I love it. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. but squinching, where did this, for the folks, folks that are listening to this, they're Peter Hurley fans. They already know the story, but for folks that aren't talk about squinching and where that came from. So when I, I remember when I modeled, I was, I was modeling and I, I would talk to other models about how do you look better in front of a camera? And we would like, we never really pinpointed it. And it would be like, gaze off into the distance and think about something cool and your face will, I was like, I don't understand that. I don't know how to look cool. I just, I just did it. I guess I learned as I go, I got more comfortable in front of the camera and then I looked cooler. Um, so when I picked up a camera, I went, well, I remember those photographers that didn't coach me, never gave me anything. And how do I, what do I tell my subjects? So then I was like, I don't like when, when you put up a camera in front of people, most people open their eyes and I don't like wide eyed, shots because they look scared like the people look scared so i when i started uh headshot photography and started photographing models and stuff in new york city i would like i i was like telling them to squint i was like can you squint a little bit and then i opened up the all the ads for headshot photographers and all the actors were wide-eyed and then i looked at actors like in Vanity Fair that were shot by like Bruce Weber and Annie Leibovitz and Steven Meisel and like her Brits and stuff. And they all look cool. And I was like, why do these, these people look cool? And the actors that need the headshots look so out to lunch. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to stop that. So I made everybody squint. I didn't know. I didn't know it was not squinting that I wanted. I just wanted the eyes wider from when they open them at first from being uncertain, you know, deer in the headlights when they mm -hmm. open their eyes. So, Years later, I actually have a video of myself in 2012, and I haven't come up with the word squint yet because I talk about squinting and I do this stuff with my face. And one day my daughter said squinch, and I was like, oh, that's good. And then I was like, wait, I have to define this. What is this? And I was like, squinching is narrowing the distance between your pupil and your lower eyelid. So it's lower eyelids up. It's not squinting. Squinting is protection of the eye. So that's like if you're in a, in a snowstorm and you're like closing your eyes for protection. That's not what you want to do with the squinch. The squinch is a lower lid up thing. And people do it naturally. As we speak, it, when we're confident, we just do it. You know, when we get in front, of in front of cameras, we're not confident and we're unsure. So our eyes widen because we're thinking about our face and that, that, that triggers the eyes opening because we're uncertain. So all I was trying to do was rectify that by giving them something to do, which I coined the squinch and then I trademarked it. And then I put out a video on it and they put me on Good Morning America and they came to my studio on Good Morning America and we did it. And uh, and it was awesome. And now I don't even like like a lot of my photographers send that video out to their 
people before they come in and shoot. And I don't want to do anything like that. Like I want the person to walk in my studio as their natural selves and I'm watching them before they get in front of the camera. And if they get in front of the camera and their eyes don't widen, I don't even tell them to squinch. Like I don't need them to squint. I need them to look confident, whatever that is. And I went from being a photographer photographing faces to becoming a facial conveyance strategist where I am strategizing on what their face needs to say that's best for their personal brand and getting my subject there. So if it requires a squinch, they're going to squinch. If it doesn't, they're not going to, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but nine times out of 10, somebody will get in front of your camera and they'll just give you one of these. And it's like, it's like, why are you doing that? Stop doing it. Don't look scared. Right, and right. you've got to reverse that somehow. So squinching is, is the way. And they're like, I mean, a lot of it is people trying not to blink because I'm a blinker. I'm a, I, my, my brain somehow knows when that strobe is going to fire a millisecond before it fires and my eyes are closed 90% of the time. So a lot of me doing that is just like, okay, I got to try not to blink. Don't blink. Don't blink. <laughs> you know, like a glaucoma test or something. Yeah, and your so, eyes are too wide. Yeah. So, yeah. So you start looking like a deer in the headlights. Do you shoot strobe? Or are you shooting continuous lighting? Because I'm a, you know continuous lighting would solve that for me like how do, how do you yeah I'm a, well i designed the the peter hurley cineflex kit from westcott is my is my weapon of choice when i'm shooting headshots so it's continuous light it's led panels um it was the thing that i needed uh i don't like strobes going off in my subject's faces for a number of reasons i think there's a disconnect between me and the subject when that happens yeah. i also like the pupils i like real estate in the eye to be the iris not the pupil so when you shoot a strobe a lot of times you get what i consider big pupil syndrome and i feel like somebody with vibrant blue eyes you need to show as much as possible and you need as much real estate as possible so i hit them bombard them with constant light to get the pupil down and then there's no disconnect between the, the strobe going off so um, plus I have more control cause I could see what I'm doing. I'm self-taught. So I'm not that sharp when it comes to setting up a strobe and then seeing where all the light goes. I like to see where the light goes as I'm, mm -hmm. as I'm creating, yep. uh, I still use strobes. I do shoot strobe, but, um, for certain situations, like if I need to do full body head to toe, or if I have a, um, shooting somebody and they're moving around a lot, I'll freeze it with strobe or I want a particular look, I'll use strobe. But, um, 90% of the time I'm using my, my flex kit in the studio. Love it. Love it. Sure. All right. I want to wrap this up with, uh, you are always forward looking, right? And this NFT thing that people are either loving, hating, or on the sidelines or in the game with is kind of on fire. It was on fire last year, year before, and it doesn't seem to be stopping now. You're jumping in to the NFT space. What, what are you doing there? Uh, this is amazing. I mean, I started to hear this NFT. I think the first time I heard of it, I was like, I was like everybody else, what the heck is that? And why is Gary V just squawking about it so much? And I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to listen to that guy. I like listening to Gary. So I, I wanted to listen to him. And then another guy I listened to, Tom Bill, you were actually one of my, uh, one of my friends, I guess I would say, and clients, I, kind of. I went in and I wanted to get him in front of my camera. So I ended up photographing him. And I just started following him and listening to what he said. And he was so into the, they were so into the NFT thing that I was really starting to take a look, but not understanding it at all. I had recently, um, not too long ago, got into crypto and, and was investing a little bit here and there. So I was trying to learn more and more and more about Absorbit as much as 
as I can. And probably like many people out there, they're like, NFT, what? Non-fungible, what? <laughs> um, and it wasn't long before one of my photographers, uh, Vadim, who's in Tampa, where I am right now, uh, came to me and said, hey, let's we got to do a project. Right now is the time. We've got to do an NFT project. We got to bring it to the photo community and, and start this thing. And and unlike most photographers that are looking at NFTs for um, an extra source of income for their work, which is incredible, which we need to anybody watching this that has an archive like needs to start to research nfts and getting their work up in the into the blockchain and starting to sell because we've never before had the chance for a royalty on 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 sales over the course of a lifetime like attaching your work and creating an nft will do which it which it can do now which is an insane uh way to create residual income for yourself so i think it's a powerful thing for the photo community but i look at my work and I'm like, I photograph all people and I didn't get model releases for quite some time. And I wouldn't want to sell an NFT to somebody of somebody's face, like to somebody else, unless that person was okay with it. And maybe somebody would buy if they were a celebrity. So now I'm just thinking about future work on, on what I could produce as, as an NFT. But a lot of you probably have a landscape that looks awesome that you like, a fine art piece that's insane that you really like, that you think it could be worth a lot. Maybe you shot something on film way back when, and you can dig that sucker up and somebody's going to like to own that piece of art. Um, and I think NFTs are a huge thing for us that we won't, we won't even realize what it is yet. But for me at the time, Vadim came to me, he said, let's do the first collectible for the photo industry. He's like, I'll get an artist. So he, he got an artist and, and well, and he said, I'm going to get an artist to give me some samples and, and show them to you. And he showed me this little guy with a camera on his head, on his head for a head. And I was like, that thing is the coolest. So I think the artwork itself was so cool. And the, and the artist is amazing. So then we were like, well, okay, we've got the artist, we've got something cool. That's hot that people will, resonate with in terms of a collectible what are we going to call it and i was like i don't know if you look at all these names of these nft things they're all crazy and strange and interesting and whatever and i was like well i mean i yell shebang all the time let's just call them shebangers <laughs> and i was like get rid of the e because it's shorter and cooler without the e so it's shebangers without the e at the end and we did the drop in october i believe now um selling them and they're out there and we're building a metaverse around them and i just got off uh i have a conference called tomorrow with a huge sponsor uh photo industry people are jumping on board and behind me in this thing which has been amazing we're building shebangersville which is a metaverse based on shebangers your entry into shebangersville is th with a shebanger um to get you'll get a plot of land in there along with a spanger. I mean, it's crazy. So it's all community driven. It's based off the collectible. The collectibles have utility. So for instance, Oh, I have to work on that today. That reminds me. Um, one of the, one of the NFTs, like somebody got a flex kit. The, my new studio kit from Westcott is a $5,500 item. We attached it randomly to one of the shebangers. Somebody bought it. Uh, bought that shebanger it was in who was in the ukraine and um 
was a non-photographer actually, and then sold it on OpenSea. This is if this is all different information for you, you can go check this stuff out later. OpenSea is a marketplace for NFTs that you should check out. You should also check out Foundation, which is the is one that's for artists and photographers like us. Um, <laughs> but sold it on OpenSea with the utility attached to somebody in Vancouver. And now I am shipping a studio flex kit to the photographer in Vancouver who's utilizing the utility that was attached to the shebanger. We've also attached my workshops. Some people have gotten a lifetime membership on the Headshot Crew. Um, people get, somebody's got a, a whole day with me where I'll fly to them and hang out with them for a day and coach nice. them. Yeah. Um, there's all this stuff going on. It's it's really interesting. And with the metaverse coming, we're building our own. We've got a token that is going to be the currency within Shebangersville called, of course, a Shabuck. And uh, all of it's happening a right Shabuck. now. So, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so when's that? So this is out now, right? Shebangers.com uh, Shebangers is out available. now. Yeah, Shebangers are selling on OpenSea. If you go to OpenSea.com, uh, I think, or is it OpenSea.io? Uh, yeah, um, let's see. It is open C. You have the link here. It is open C. Dot IO. Yes. Open C. Dot IO. And yep. then search for Shebanger. Now, be careful. There's a lot of imposters out there. Make sure it looks like this. There's a hundred uh, one point three thousand items, which is what we have. Six hundred and twenty five owners. Uh, and there's the floor price point oh eight of an ETH right now. And you can mm -hmm. go in and purchase one with Ethereum and that's where we're selling them right now we do have 2500 of them that we've we've made but we're keeping the 1200 on the sidelines for now for when we reopen shebangers.com um we're trying to build out the metaverse we're working on sponsorships we have big announcements in terms of sponsors and what we're doing over there very soon and we since we're building our own metaverse and our own token it takes a little bit of time so we're thinking in the next couple months we'll be seeing this coming out we'll be making announcements so you can the best way to find out about everything is to go to shebangers.com and, and search our discord or go to uh peter under underscore hurley on instagram and you can check my link tree uh my link in my bio has everything that's going on with me so that's probably the best place to go love it love it so just real quick when you say you're building a metaverse what does that mean you're building a community that people will be able to interact with in in virtual reality or is it is some kind of community plus define define metaverse as you see it absolutely well um it's interesting that coincide with facebook changing their name to meta so right yeah. now um everybody's looking i mean gamers are are used to it and and people who have used an oculus before and been in virtual reality scenarios understand it i've gone to one virtual reality like gaming place in new york city with my kids for their birthday and that's it i've never done this so and now i'm creating a metaverse so a metaverse <laughs> is is basically we're going to start with probably a browser based i mean the the goal is for me to let's say i'm a shebanger owner which i am i bought one of my own actually and i walk into the i go into this metaverse and i my avatar is my shebanger and i'm communicating with other photographers that are standing in front of me in their shebanger with their oh, camera nice. on their head yeah and yeah. um it's going to be like a mall type structure where you walk into 
well, I, we were joking before that we'll have a bar. I was like, can you get lit up at the bar and like have a shebanger, like, like kind of woozy, like, like, <laughs> like, like somebody passed out on the floor. Like, you know, can you sell drinks in there? I don't know. Um, but basically we're going to have little um, storefronts for photo industry related things. And people are actually going to go into these stores and be able to peruse items from that manufacturer or nice. you know i'm in i'm i'm i've approached bnh bnh is one of my sponsors i want them to come into my metaverse and i want somebody to walk into the bnh store and be able to buy a product uh in the metaverse while they're in the store in their shebanger and have that that item shipped and show up physically in the physical world at their home so these types of things is what we're working on uh not to mention that there'll be a virtual classroom where i can teach my workshops from or anybody for that matter uh that i could if i have a classroom in the metaverse in shebangersville we would be able to schedule classes there for different speakers that could come in that I could be teaching a full on class to the metaverse or the, the citizens of Shebangersville in front of me right now from my computer, from a, a WeWork or wherever I am. A, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's crazy, man. Congratulations. You're always crushing it. Always shebanging and doing all that stuff. What's uh, so you're in Tampa right now hanging out. Like what's, what's next for Peter Hurley in 2022? Well, I mean, I'm here for a couple of reasons. What I'm, what I've tried to do is, I've been very fortunate that I, I, I was talking about this to my headshot crew. I do a on on Mondays at 10 a.m. I do a thing called All Business, and it's a 45 minute Zoom where I just want to fire everybody up for the week. And I said it's really important. There's two things that I'm really concentrating on or trying to concentrate on. One is health. I think health is a huge thing. I don't think you're going to pick up your camera and have good energy uh, with your subject if you're not. A healthy individual. Obviously, we want to get our immune systems, you know, as strongly as possible with with everything that's running around these days. And um, and also, um, one of the things that I think is important is having a hobby that that gets you active and out there. So, mm -hmm. when I look at things that I want to do, they are all pretty much structured around the sport of sailing. I trained for two Olympics in sailing when I was younger. I still sail. I so. And, and multiple sources of income. So, well, Sam, basically a hobby that keeps you healthy, obviously uh, your diet and, and the amount of sleep you get is very important. And then, it, and then it's going to give me the ability to shoot when I'm shooting, but I'm also working on other sources of income. So while I'm down here, I'm actually shooting headshots for a, uh, there's a startup convention. So I'm shooting at the convention. Uh, I'm also meeting with my co-founder of Shebangers, uh, Vadim and I had a regatta this weekend that I just sailed two days and I won. So nice. I have kind of structured my life with these things that that really appeal to me. And I figure if 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 I'm the only one who can structure my life, so I'm going to do it the way that I, that I want to do it. And I've been fortunate enough to do that. That's right. That's good, man. You're always an inspiration. Uh, at some point within the next year, hopefully, if the if the chains come off the world, we'll be able to hook up in, in New York and have a drink or something. So we'll see. For sure. Yeah, no, if I absolutely. get off there, I'll let you know. Please do. If you're anywhere in Northern California, whatever, just, just let me know when you're out here.
All right, Peter, we'll leave it. We'll leave it right there. Have a have a great rest of your week. And folks that are listening and or watching to the watching this, make sure you head over to um, headshotcrew.com and shebangers, S-H-A-B-A-N-G-R-S, no E.com. And I'll put the links in the show notes and all that stuff so people can get to it easily. Peter Hurley, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. Awesome. This is Twitter.